And will you turn with me to the scriptures to Luke chapter 20? Luke chapter 20. Beginning to read at verse 9. Will not keep you long. A wee bit longer, but not long. Luke chapter 20, verse 9. Then began he to speak to the people this parable. A certain man planted a vineyard and let it forth the husbandmen and went into a far country for a long time. Don't think it was Thailand coming now we're talking about this time. Went into a far country for a long time. And at that season he sent a servant to the husbandmen that they should give him of the fruit of the vineyard. But the husbandmen beat him and sent him away empty. And again he sent another servant, and they beat him also, and entreated him shamefully, and he sent him away empty. And again he sent a third, and they wounded him also and cast him out. Then said the Lord of the vineyard, What shall I do? I will send my beloved son. It may be they will reverence him when they see him. But when the husbandmen saw him, they reasoned among themselves, saying, This is the heir, come, let us kill him, that the inheritance may be ours. So they cast him out of the vineyard and killed him. What therefore shall the Lord of the vineyard do unto them? He shall come and destroy these husbandmen and shall give the vineyard to others. And when they heard it, they said, God forbid. And he beheld them and said, What is this then that is written? The stone which the builders rejected, the same has become the head of the corner. Whosoever shall fall upon that stone shall be broken. But on whomsoever it shall fall, it will grind him to powder. And the chief priests and the scribes, the same are sought to lay hands on him. And they feared the people, for they perceived that he had spoken this parable against them. Notice that, against them. Father, will you take your word for the next few moments? And Father, will you complement even the testimony of saving grace? with the cry of new birth from someone else in this place tonight. And we ask, Lord, that your sovereign grace would reach many hearts, even to encourage and instruct your people. But one or more who knows not Christ, we pray that they would come to a saving knowledge of him. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. You see, the Lord Jesus is saying to the Pharisees, they were the Jewish leaders of his day. And he's speaking this parable against them. Now, the Word of God tells us that. And as he's speaking it against them, earlier in the chapter, he had asked them about John the Baptist. From, and now John the Baptist was from the wilderness preaching. And at this point, we read in Isaiah 40, he has prophesied of, so these Pharisees are afraid. Is this the forerunner of Yahweh? Or is this the forerunner of Jehovah? Is this the one that he said should come before his son or before his Messiah? So they're afraid to judge as, and give their opinion. So Jesus shows them 
and he brings it right back to the Old Testament. He talks about ancient Israel in the wilderness coming into Canaan land. And so Israel are the vineyard of the Lord. And in and 1 Kings chapter 11, 1 Kings chapter 12, you can read of, of the separation of the kingdom of Israel and Judah. In the north, you have the house of Israel. In the south, you have the house of Judah. And from Judah is where we get the name Jew from. And so he's saying there were people sent, prophets had been sent to the Lord's vineyard, the house of Israel. And notice the Lord's vineyard, when they went, you'll read of prophets like Elijah and Elisha. You'll read like of Hosea and Amos. You'll read of prophets like these men who went and were rejected time after time after time. And the Lord was sending them saying, look, there's a savior. There's deliverance. He's your God. Turn on to him. And the people point blankly refused. And they stoned some and they killed some. And they cast some out and they rejected them all. And they stayed in their sin. And God allowed the Assyrian army in 721 BC to carry them away captive. Later comes to the house of Judah. And there were other men that were prophets went to the house of Judah. Think especially of Isaiah. And he prophesied of the Lord coming. Isaiah 53 speaks of the Lord. He was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. And the chastisement of our peace was upon him. With his stripes you are healed. And so here the prophet is prophesying of Messiah coming 720 or so years before he comes. So Jesus is saying to them, look back. Look what you've done to the prophets. You see how much God loves you, he says. Do you see how much God has sent prophets? How many he has sent? See how long he has dealt with you? Do you see his long suffering toward you? Do you see how he has allowed you to go so far and yet he has loved you so much? And he's even saying it now and gives this parable. And look at what he says. He says in Luke 20, he says, at the season, verse 10, at the season he sent the servant to the husbandmen that they should give him fruit of the vineyard, but the husbandmen beat him and sent him away. And again, he sent another servant and they beat him also and treated him shamefully and sent him away empty. And again, he sent a third and they wounded him also and cast him out. Christ is talking about the prophets. Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 1 says, God who at sundry times and divers manners Listen, speaking time passed unto the fathers, ancient Israel. Speaking time passed unto the fathers by the prophets. Listen, half in these last days spoken unto us by his son. And Jesus is saying, I am the son of God. And I am the one speaking to you. God, very God. He's the one came and he's given this parable to them. And he says, will now you reject me also? Will you turn me away? Notice what it says in Luke 20. And that's where I run down to verse 13. Then said the Lord of the vineyard, What shall I do? I will send my beloved son. Notice, I will send my beloved son. It may be they will reverence him when they see him. It may be they will reverence him when they see him. See him. 
The words here for beloved son, I touched on it earlier in this campaign that we did, the mission nights. But it's the word beloved is agapetus. And it's where the, we get the word agape or agape, as some people pronounce it, agape love. It's agapetus, and the word for son is huias, meaning the fully matured son. My one and only fully matured son. God says, this is the one whom I love. This one here, this man before you, he's mine. My love, he says. That's what the father says when he looks at the Lord Jesus. He is my love. He is my son. He's my love towards you, but he's the one who calls the love out of my heart. The word here for agapetus uh, or agape, it gives the idea of a love which is awakened by a sense of value in an object which causes one to prize it. Now let me give you an idea. You hold things so dear. Your children are so dear to you. Just yesterday morning, I was speaking to a man who, who has just recently had his first baby. His first child, his wife, has just given birth recently. And he said to me, I heard you speaking one time on the agape love. A love that is called out of the heart according to the preciousness of the object which is loved. And he says, I remember you saying how you, you held your daughter one time and, uh, and you were looking at her, you just loved her. She'd done nothing, she was unaware of you. She wasn't thinking you were carrying her nor holding her. You just loved her, she didn't have to do anything, didn't have to say anything. Love just was drawn for your, from your heart. See, that's agape love. Now, Father gave to his son many an eternity. And he says, I have set my love on them. And from even the, before the day that many were born, they called the love out of the father's heart. You know why? Because already in the mind of God, the lamb of God was slain from before the foundation of the world. And that's why and the father loved him and those who come to the Father in and through him. You know what they find? They find that the, the love that the Father has, the love that's called out of the Father's heart for his only begotten, his agapesis weas, the love that's called out from the heart for Jesus and Jesus only, we receive that fullness of love because we're in Christ. That's a marvelous thing. That's a wonderful thing. And that's what many people are missing because they do not know him. So when the Father says, or when Jesus says it, he says, what will I do? I will send my beloved Son. It may be when they see him. It may be. Is there a maybe here tonight? Is someone a whosoever we have spoke about for the last two weeks? Is there a maybe here? Maybe you will see him in the Spirit Asking the Holy Ghost to give you eyes to see. And you'll see him and say, he died for me. He loves me. He's my Savior. I need him. Is there a maybe here tonight if you see him? If you see him, will you accept him? You may despise him. There are men and women who despise him. And here he says, it may be they will reverence him when they see my son. The father's love for his son is the father's love for those 
who are in his son. Timmy McGee didn't realize it, but God, like he did in ancient Israel, God, like he did in ancient time, God, like he's done throughout all eternity, has placed his love on him. And he didn't realize it, but the Father didn't give up on him. And the Father hasn't given up on you. The Father hasn't given up on you, friend. You've maybe came here and you've maybe lived a life of sin and shame. You've maybe lived a life that's not worth talking about tonight. You maybe lived a life of, of depression. And you've maybe lived a life of, of running and hiding from God. You've maybe lived a life where you've sinned every day of your life with importunity. And you love to have it so. But I can tell you something. The Father's love has never given up on you. People give up on you. Family may give up on you. Friends run away and leave you to me. Everybody may leave you, but Paul says, notwithstanding, the Lord stood with me, he says, and the Lord stands with you in his love. You see, the Father has not given up on you, whether you're in Australia or Thailand or whether you're in Ulster or the south of Ireland or wherever you may be. The Father has not given up on you. In fact, you're here tonight because of the Father's love. You're here because of love. Maybe you can see him. But will you accept him or reject him? Now notice this. He says, this is my beloved son. He says, I'm going to send my beloved son. Do you know what Matthew 13, verse 17, 3 and verse 17, you know what it says of the Lord Jesus? comes out of the water and the voice from heaven says, this is my beloved son. Do you think the Father's trying to tell you something? Do you think the Father's trying to say something to you tonight? Jesus is baptized in the River Jordan by John the Baptist. And as he comes out, the Spirit descends in the form of a dove and the voice comes from heaven saying, this is my beloved son, listen, and who I am, whom I am well pleased. He didn't say, I am appeased. Oh, he was appeased with the sacrifice of lambs and goats and bulls. Not appeased God's wrath, but the blood of Jesus well pleases God. It's a difference, you see. It's a difference. This is my Agapetus, the one who calls the love out of my heart because he's so precious to me. This one coming out of the water, I'll mark him with my spirit. And the spirit comes and sets on him like a dove. And so he said, I'm well pleased in him. He is my beloved. He's the one who draws the love out of my heart. And then when they're up the mountain in Matthew chapter 17, it's known as the mountain of transfiguration, they call it. And Jesus his clothes starts to glisten and his face shines brighter than the noonday sun. And the voice comes from heaven and says, This is my beloved son. Hear ye him. Hear ye him. I think the Father's trying to tell us something. And I'll tell you what he's trying to tell you in a nutshell. He's trying to tell you, Do you see the one that calls the love out of my heart who's so precious to me? I allowed him. I sent him to go to the cross because I love you, that you would be saved. Think about this. The one who hung and bled and died in Calvary. The one who was in 
pain and taking our shame, our sorrow and our sins and our sufferings in his own body on the tree. The one who shed his blood rested his head on a pulseless breast and gave up the ghost. The one who done that, the father looks at him and says, I am well pleased. (laughs) There's no other sacrifice, friend. There's nothing else to come to God with. There's no other way that you can come to him. He says, oh, I love him. But look, look. He says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He was forsaken so that you could be saved. He was forsaken that you could be reconciled. He was forsaken that you would be brought in. And Jesus says this. He says, look. He says, he sends these prophets and now his son is sent. And they say in verse 14, but when the husbandmen saw him, they reasoned among themselves saying, this is the heir. Come, let us kill him that the inheritance may be ours. So they cast him out of the vineyard and killed him. What therefore shall the Lord of the vineyard do unto them? Notice this. He says, you know what they're going to do? They're going to take the beloved son out of the vineyard. Listen, what they did, they took him outside the city walls. Hebrews 13 tells us that. And they crucified him outside the gate or without the gate. They took him out and there they crucified him. The ones who rejected him cried away with him, crucify him, crucify him. We will not have this man to rule over us. Maybe you're saying, I don't want this man to rule over me. I don't want this man to reign in my life. I don't want this man at all. Get him out of my road. It's like crucify him. For many say, if I was there, I wouldn't have said that. Really? Well, he's already done it. And still you rejected him. Still you turn it away. They took him outside the gate. You know why they took him outside the gate? Because where they took him was next to the dung heap. It was next to Gehenna fire. The place that they would burn all the carcasses of the dead. That's what he was worth to them. And he says, what will the Lord do? What will my father do? Oh dear, they're in trouble now, aren't they? Aren't they in trouble now? So are you. What will you do with them? What will you do with Christ? In the book of Isaiah 53, the prophet says this. For he, verse 2, for he, the Lord Jesus, for he, the beloved son, speaking 700 plus years before he came, for he, the beloved son, shall grow up before him. Before who? Before Yahweh, the Father, before Jehovah. He, the beloved Son, the one who calls the lover to the Father's heart, he'll grow up before him. He was a man. The Son was a man. He was a man of flesh and blood. Kinsman, Redeemer. He says, and he'll grow up and the Father will watch him grow like you watch your children grow. And we take his own crawling fits and his little rollovers and his little tumbles and he would go around the furniture in Mary's house and he would grow in strength every day just like you and just like me and he'd become a teenager and then a 30 he'd be baptized in that river Jordan 
And the father says, oh, there's my beloved. Within three and a half years, they nailed him to a tree. And that's when the father watched it. And he allowed it. He shall grow up before him, notice as a tender plant. Notice him, this perfect, pure, beautiful, sinless, spotless lamb of God. He grows up as a tender plant. He's holy and he's harmless and he's undefined. And he's separate from sinners. This holy one, beautiful one, wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting father, the prince of peace. He who became flesh grows up before his father as a tender plant, as a root out of a dry ground. What's the, what's the dry ground? The dry ground was when he grew up in the land of Palestine or the land of Canaan, wherever you want to call it. And he grew up there and it was godless. Traditions of men, full of sinners, apostate Judah, Babylonian Talmudism, ritualistic. Everything that you even see in this day and age was in his. Yet he was the only one that was in the Father's view. Think about this. He's the only one the Father counted. Of all the men, even John the Baptist, it was him. That's my beloved. At the River Jordan, that's my beloved. On the mountain, that's my beloved. On the cross, that's my beloved son. The Father watched him. He hath no form nor comeliness, and when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. See the word desire there? It's a word that means to delight in, to think to be precious. Every single one of us before we came who are saved, came before we came to a saving knowledge of Christ, didn't even think of him. Sinned in the nightclubs. Fought the bit out Tommy McGeehan and drank his life away. And myself also, and all of us, maybe even living in a good lifestyle, sure was all about us. It's only us. It's all about we, me, myself, and I. But one day, love found us. Love found us where we were. The Father says, Look at him. That's my son. Friend, look at him. Look at him. That's the father's son. That's the son of God. The holy one. Now, since the father loves him so much, how do you expect? How do you expect if you die without him? If you die outside of the love that's called out of the Father in him, how do you expect to stand before God? Think about this. I, I, I'm going to tell him I was a good person. What about my son? You know, the Father's not going, when you get up before God, he's not going to stand and say, okay, now tell me, how many cigarettes did you smoke? How many, how many times, did, many tins of beer did you drink a day, Tommy McGee? That's not going to be what he's going to ask. What he's going to ask is this. What did you do with my son? 
That's what he's going to ask. What did you do with my beloved? I trusted in him. I trust in him. And the wounds of the Savior will prove. The wounds of the Savior in his hands and his feet will be the proof when he stands with us to say, Father, he trusts in me. She trusts in me. And the Father looks at me and all my failure and all my sin and my rottenness and all, even the man I try to be that I'm still not. And he looks at it, but when he looks at me, he just sees those wounds. He sees that blood. And the amount he loves him is the amount he loves me because I'm trusting in him. Because we are in Christ. Friend, I'm closing this. It says this, there's no beauty in him that we should desire him. We don't delight in him or greatly beloved him. He is despised and rejected of men. See the word despised? It just gives the idea like this. He's vile. Now you look it up. He's like he's vile. Do you see those Pharisees? Those Jewish Sanhedrin that were around him that day? Trying to trick him to kill him. They just thought of him as vile. And there's men and women today. They are no different. And they see him as vile. That vile Jesus. Now you can see him as vile. And you can look at him and despise him like that. When I look at him, when I see him, I see him as the desire of all nations. I see him as the beautiful one. I see him whom I desire, he whom my soul loveth. I see him as precious and wonderful. I see him as the most beautiful person that ever walked this earth. <coughs> the beloved Son of God. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted of grief, and we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Will you despise him tonight? He's the beloved of the Father. He's the Father's only begotten, born of God, son. Will you despise him? Or do you desire him? I desire to be saved. I see him. Maybe when they see him, he says. Maybe they'll reverence him when they see him. What about you? Are you a maybe tonight? Maybe I'll reverence him tonight. How do I reverence him? I say, how do I, how do I get to know this Jesus? For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Are you saved? Time is flown. Time is gone.